Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to The Ralph Report for a Tuesday. It is March 5th, so happy to have you joining us today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today because not only is it Bachelor Report Day, and I know a lot of folks missed it last week because my wife was out of town and we couldn't recap what was going on with Colton and now his three remaining ladies. Oh. Plus. Still a virgin? Well, that's debatable, I think, at this point. <laughs> and uh, last night, he got very upset about the whole process. He was ready to throw in the towel. Because he's never seen the show before? <laughs> I won't tell you what happens. We'll recap that later on with my wife, Carrie. But also today, very exciting, debuting a brand new feature. Oh, TV it Tune. Is TV Tune Tuesday. Oh, exciting. I think this may be our biggest hit yet. <laughs> Judging from the immediate response from yesterday's show, and we just announced that we're going to do it, I got a brand new file of emails and phone calls of people who are dying oh. to get their favorite TV theme songs featured on the show. You didn't even tell me what it's going to be either. You're just gonna I'm not telling you. Know. This is a surprise. But it came from a guy in Chicago. Chicago. And I think to kick off the uh, whole shindig, mm -hmm. this maybe could be the best possible one to do it. Oh, okay. Because I will say, arguably, it is one of still the most popular TV theme songs ever, and it's fifth, over 50 years old. Okay. So uh, I'll right. tell you more. I'll drop more clues before I reveal it later on in the show. But before we get started, I want to know right now, Eddie Pence. Yeah. Are you a badge-carrying member of the comedy police? No. Because if you are... <laughs> not that I might have to leave the show early in cuffs because I, I may not fulfill all the requirements no. that one has to fulfill in order to be considered eligible to perform right. comedy. When it comes to stand-up comedy, I'm a libertarian. Like, I think you or you handle your own business. That's the way it is. And I think you it's a meritocracy, yourself. too, right? You police yourself. I think if... Well, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up, for those who don't know, yesterday I dropped a little tweet, half-assed, jokingly but sort of seriously because i was monitoring on my twitter feed a lot of comedians like a female comedian named laurie kilmartin who writes for the conan show and she's a stand-up mm -hmm. and eddie ift who's a friend of mine a very funny guy yeah. he's a stand-up friends with him too uh, those folks and many others in the comedy world have come out attacking stormy daniels porn star stormy daniels President fucker Stormy Daniels. <laughs> well, he wasn't president when they fucked. That's true. But I think you get I think you get it retroactively. I think you can put that on your resume. I'd respect her more if he was president. <laughs> Would you? I think well, maybe not. It'd uh, been more impressive. He was still married with a newborn. That's I don't true. think any way you look at it. It's not nothing to be proud of. But uh, she apparently is performing at a comedy club somewhere. I don't even know where it, it doesn't is. Matter. Who cares? Uh, on a Wednesday night, she has booked a comedy gig, and people are losing their minds I know. I've, I've in been, the comedy community. I've been reading. It's been all over my Facebook feed and everything else. And I, first of all, think 
comedy police, if you're a comedian and your job is to sort of poke uh, society in the eye and to sort of be irreverent and cross the line and no holds barred and be sort of out there questioning right. authority. Right. I don't know if it's a good look to go on social media and start telling other people what, behave, what, what they do. should do and shouldn't it's do. It's annoying. It really, it's annoying. But you're the, you're the, the, the my closest stand-up friend. <laughs> so I didn't know whether this was a real thing or is this some a are, subset. Some people are legitimately upset about it. I don't get upset about it because it's it's a business. It's it's a comedy club business, and there's comedy club owners that have to fill seats. So you book someone who fills the seats. I guess. See, that's that's what that, it is. That's my perspective is too that if you're if you're running a business and your job is to perform to an audience, and the more people you can get into that room, the more beer all, you can sell, and the more more right. tater tots you can sell, and that's, snacks and booze. Right. I mean, that's your job, right? That's why pro wrestlers started doing stand up shows because it would sell people. They, the shows would sell out. So clubs, oh, club owners are like, I got to sell this room out. I need to make my rent. And it's not restricted just to Stormy Daniels. I know Jeremy Piven got up on Piven stage. And uh, Steve-O from Jackass Steve-O. has a comedy They routine. all did it because you, you put Jeremy Piven up on the marquee. That sells out. Yeah. That's what it is. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Maybe I'm not, maybe I don't take it personally because I'm not a stand-up. I mean, I'm the same guy who said... Don't hire names to be in an animated film, <laughs> right? right? I guess it's sort of the same ballpark. It, 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 it chaps bit, my ass when I see that happen, but I think that the results are different. Maybe that's where I draw the line. Is that, like you said, if you put a star's name on a marquee, you can fill that fill house. Will you really sell more tickets to Scooby Doo if people find out that Will Forte is the voice of I Shaggy? Think the illusion is that you will. I don't know if it's actually. I think I think Scooby Doo is the star of the Scooby Doo movie. I do too. I do too. So I don't think it's necessarily the same thing. But I'm just trying, and I'm legitimately trying to understand that maybe it's because I'm not part of that community that I don't have the same perspective. That's why I'm reaching out to you as a member of that community to see what your feelings are. There's one trillion stand-up comedians in the world right Right. now, and there's there's maybe one million comedy clubs. So there's not enough comedy clubs to fill. To use all the work. so Right. So it's a competitive atmosphere. That's why people and, get upset. And people are fighting for slots right. and they want to be but able to book But at the same rooms. time, that whatever club she's working at on a Wednesday night wasn't going to sell out on a Wednesday night. But you throw Stormy Daniels in there, that's going to sell out. That's yeah. a business. He's got to do that. Now, I don't know if she's going to do a Thursday through Sunday, eight shows in a weekend. Probably not. Probably not. Can't You're handle right. that. Right. Um, and that'll be bad for business because word will get out that it's terrible, and then the rest of the weekend won't sell out. And if she's awful, if she gets up on stage and she's last. awful, it won't last. Then she's not a real threat to anybody's comedy no. career. No. And, and if she's great, still you're not going to compete with her. No, you're not. You're not. It's... Even if you're a female comedian, you're not. You're not doing the same stuff that a Stormy Daniels would be doing, no. right? I, I, my view is that it, there's enough room at the table for everybody. As long as you keep doing what you're doing, you'll find a spot. Yeah. That's just the way the business is. Okay. It's I just wanted business. to check with you and see what your take was because I legitimately couldn't understand the uproar. No. And it seemed, I don't know. There's enough things in this business to make you like want to like just lose your mind. So you just have to sort of just focus on yourself and do your own thing. It seemed shitty, too, that they were picking on her. It seemed like because she's a porn star that it was almost an easy target. Which doesn't make sense because she's not the first porn star to go make a foray into stand-up comedy. Ron, Ron Jeremy's done oh, that's it. True, I mean, yeah. there's been a ton of other stuff. They they do it. Right. The the lines of media are so blurred nowadays. 
just having a name will get you into other venues. And that's that's basically what it is. She's not going to make a career out of being a stand-up comedian. It's not going to happen. She's going to sell out some rooms, make some people money, and she'll have something else to do. Right. Secondarily, whoever in their right mind who has any experience with the entertainment business expects it to be fair on any level. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Especially comedians. Comedians should know nothing about this job is fair. To think that uh, talent equals success and fame... <laughs> There's some equation oh. where those things are relevant to each other is madness. I could rattle we off, all know the I case. could rattle off 20 of the most talented people I've ever met and no one's ever known who they are. But it's not just comedy. It's, it's true in music and yeah, everything. This and whole business. Film, television, writing. I mean, if you name it, it's a crapshoot. And sometimes things work out to people who you don't necessarily believe deserve that success. And like you said, sometimes it's vice versa. You know, enormously talented people they who are never mean. able to crack but that you're, walnut. You're not going to change it. You just have to focus on yourself and do what makes you happy. You can't sit there and try to tear other people down because that's pointless. Yeah. It just seems, uh, it just struck me as odd as I read it. I don't know if I, did I say what I tweeted yesterday to start this all off? I don't think so. No. I um, <laughs> So I was reading it and, and as a joke, what I said in response to what I was reading on Twitter was to all the comedians who are questioning whether Stormy Daniels should be allowed to perform in comedy clubs because she's not a real comedian. Are podcasters still allowed to perform in comedy clubs asking for a friend? That's what I tweeted. Because if you're going to start drawing arbitrary lines, someone could say, this guy talked on the radio for a lot of years and he does this podcasting thing, but he's never done open mic nights. He's never had right. to, to die in Schenectady at Sir Laughs-A-Lot or any right. of these places. Well, I mean, How did he earn his right to play at the Improv on Saturday night, March 9th, The Late Show. Go to improv.com to get your tickets. How does he have the right to stand up there on you stage? sell it out. Well, hopefully. And you entertain the people, and that's the whole thing. Hopefully. We'll see. So, anyway, that's, that's our social commentary portion of the show, but I just find it really interesting. All right. Uh, let's start off the show by listening to you, the beloved Garmy, and, of course, the subset of idiots that are also... <laughs> contributing now and the ash holes and people are demanding a nickname for Carrie now and we don't have one yet someone said they should be the carry on my wayward sons it's a mouthful it's a little bit too long not quite as pithy as the other nicknames for the fan bases but we'll work on something for Carrie we'll get you there we love it when you reach out to us we love it when you participate you can reach us in any number of ways you can email us Ralph at the ralphreport.com or Eddie or Steve at that same email address and of course there's always the Ralph Report Hotline, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You, too, can leave a message for me. I listen to them all, and then I grab a handful of them, and I put them on the front of the show in a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ralph's going to play your calls now and see what's on your As you may or may not know, the uh, Ralph Report, we have uh, several different tiers of support that you can participate in. We've got the one, two, three, and four-star general subscriptions. And depending on which one you subscribe to, uh, it varies what the, the content is that becomes available to you here from the Ralph Report. Alex called in because apparently, and I didn't really want to talk about this uh, until I was sure it was actually working or not, but he has discovered a brand new perk. Hey, Ralph, it's Alex in Des Moines. 
Uh, I'm calling uh, because yesterday I had the rare opportunity of actually having a nap. And during that nap, I had a dream that starred you, surprisingly enough. Uh, the dream was I was in my house. I walked into my living room, and there you were sitting on my couch, and you had your laptop and a pile of papers, and you were clearly very busy. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, Ralph Garman is here, and I think he's working on the podcast. I'm just going to leave him alone. This is really cool. That was basically the dream. So now uh, I'm thinking I am a four-star general. I don't know if one of the perks is that as a four-star general, Ralph will appear in one of your dreams. Um, and you're, but you're, you're too busy to really do anything. You have to keep working on the podcast, but you will appear uh, in a dream. I don't know. Uh, clear that up for me, if you will. All right. Love you, mean it. Bye-bye. You nailed it, Alex. That's absolutely <laughs> true. We have not listed yet on the Patreon.com website. But as a new bonus content for the four-star generals, I am now starting to appear in their dreams. It's the Inception perk. Exactly. I will, uh, I will slip into your subconscious while you're dreaming, and I will make an appearance. And I appreciate you not interrupting me while I was there, Alex, because I was very busy prepping the show. But I did want to stop by inside your mind and uh, just say hello. So all you four-star members, you can look forward to me um, working my way into your dreams at some point soon. <laughs> Trying to get to as many of you as I can, but I'm just one man. Well, with all the phone calls and everything oh, else you got to do. It's, it's a lot it's of a work. Lot. And, by the way, we're looking into a five-star general subscription level, which will involve wet dreams. Oh. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I'm willing to do anything, whatever it takes. How many of those a month? Well, it depends. I get I get tired. It depends on what I'm doing to produce the desired results. And always remember, please, kids, it's not gay if it's in a dream, okay? So let's not forget that either. I'll see you soon again, Alex. I'm going to drop by because I, I dig your subconscious, man. It was fun. We also offer other services here at the Ralph Report. Woody called in and found a very useful purpose for our uh, for our podcast. Hey, Ralph and Eddie, how's it going? This is uh, Woody from Massachusetts. Just wanted to let you guys know, I'm a farmer, and uh, we play the Ralph Report in our barn 24-7, because I figured that uh, nothing will keep a predator away more than Eddie Pence and all this stupid bullshit. <laughs> Love you, mean it. Bye. It is a scientific fact that Eddie Pence, the sound of his voice, and the things that he says actually drives wolves, coyotes, and other predators away from barnyard animals. Hey, if, I, if it helps out, if it saves a chicken, right? it's totally worth it. If you keep the wolves at bay, literally, what more can you ask from us? So exactly. we're, we're happy to do that. 15 cents a day, you save your chicken? That's right. Small price to pay. Uh, also... I cannot tell you how much I love the Garmy because yesterday I was having a real problem because I could not for the life of me find a piece of music that I was desperate to know about. Yes. It was a march and I'd heard it a billion times on television and in films and I wanted to use it for one of the segments we were working on here on the show weeks ago and I just kept looking and looking and looking, could not identify the song or the author of that song, the composer or any information about it. Thank God I threw it open to the Garmy yesterday. And as expected, the Garmy came through in a big way. Who would have guessed that we have a Garmy member who was also a marching band director? What are the odds that those wow, two really? would cross? Yeah, well, wow. Scott called in. Hey, Ralph, what's happening? It's Scott from Yorba Linda, uh, Garmy member and marching band director. And uh, the march you were singing is National Emblem by Ed Bagley. So hope that helps. Love you, mean it. Bye.
Thank you, Scott. You've saved my life. You ever have one of those things where you just can't let it go? If you just have a fact that you need to know yeah. and it's making your yeah. life a living hell? Yeah. That's what this was for me. National Emblem is the name of the march composed by Edwin Bagley. He's an Edwin. He's an Edwin, He's a an fellow Edwin. Edwin. Edwin Eugene Bagley composed it in 1902, published it in 1906. It became the most famous of all his marches. Apparently, he cranked out quite a few. However, it did not make Edwin rich. He sold the copyright for his composition for $25. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, poor Ed Bagley. He got burned. He did hard. Anyway, uh, National, an Edwin move. National Emblem March is its name. Here it is in all its glory. Come on. It's oh, a good one. Oh, thank you so much, Scott. For 25 bucks. Yeah, that's that's that stinks. Well, it does. We did announce our brand new segment, TV Tune Tuesdays. It's happening today, and the floodgates have opened. People calling in, leaving messages, requesting their favorite TV theme song, people writing emails. I know it's a new segment, so people are a little uh, perhaps unclear on the rules, how we're going to run this thing. Hey, Ralph. This is Erin from South Pasadena. Um, for TV theme Tuesday, I would be so happy if you did the Golden Girls theme song. That is a classic theme song. I love it. Um, anyways, um, consider Golden Girls theme song and um, LMB. Bye. Erin, I love you, my dear, but we can't use your suggestion. And here's why. And I'm making this arbitrary rule about the segment because it's my goddamn yeah, show. True. And I'm allowed to. Thank You for Being a Friend was already a hit song by Andrew Gold in 1978, and they repurposed that song to be a theme song for the Golden Girls. They had a, a woman uh, sing a cover version of it. Right. I think we have to stick to Originals. songs that were originally recorded and made for television that became popular because of their exposure on television. So like Bosom Buddies, This Is My Life. Right, you couldn't say yeah. Billy Joel's My Life right. is my favorite TV theme because it had already been a pre-existing song right. before Bosom Buddies used it. Gotcha. So let's stick to TV theme songs that come from originally from TV shows. Makes sense. Does that sound Makes, fair? That, that sounds fair. That's a good guide. All right, there you go. Those are the guidelines laid down for a segment we will debut later on called TV Tune Tuesday. And that is Garmy on the Line. All right, now it's time to take a look at the big calendar that hangs here on the Batcave wall to see what holidays we could celebrate today. Every day of the year has multiple holidays assigned to it. We decide which ones are legitimate and which ones are not in a segment called Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Happy Fat Tuesday, everybody. Oh, it's Fat Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday, oh, yeah, Eddie. It is Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. 
For those of you who don't know what Fat Tuesday is, perhaps you know it best by its French name, Marte Gras. It's Fat. I didn't know Fat Tuesday and Marte. It's a, okay. I didn't know that. I thought Mardi Gras was the big party that came after Fat Tuesday. No, Mardi Gras is the big That's party on Fat Tuesday. Oh, I thought it was a week-long thing. You know what Mardi Gras means in English? Fat Tuesday? Fat Tuesday, <laughs> I didn't Eddie. know that. I didn't know that. Marty is the French word for Tuesday. Didn't and know that. Gras is the French word for fat. Uh, gotcha. So there you now. go. So now you know, Mardi Gras is, is, fat, is Tuesday. fat Tuesday. There's many different celebrations of Fat Tuesday in many different cultures. What it is, is... The Tuesday before Lent, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. Okay. On Ash Wednesday is when we begin Lent, if you're uh, a Catholic. And then for the next 40 days... You give up something. You're giving up something that you love. So Fat Tuesday became, also known as Shrove Tuesday, became the celebration, the final hurrah, if you will. Do all the bad stuff. Right, to get it all out of your system. (laughs) And when you look at the history of it, it makes perfect sense... That originally, when uh, Christians started performing this feast before Lent, they did it to use up all of the valuable meat and supplies they would be abstaining from in the days to come. Well, that makes sense. Because you don't want to say, okay, I'm going to give up meat for Lent. All that food rots. And yeah, then you got, there's no refrigeration or anything back in the day. So that food would just go to waste. So they said, let's just pack it all into our guts right now, (laughs) eat everything we got. So the next 40 days, we're not wasting anything. Well, uh, as we mentioned, it's a big deal with the French, which translated to uh, New Orleans, of course. They hold their big carnival and then Mardi Gras celebration here in the United States before they stop it all. And, uh, Did you ever go to Mardi Gras? I've never have, no. I, I was hoping maybe I would be filming with Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, he's there right, right now, now as right. we speak. He's down in Louisiana now filming that show. I thought uh, maybe I could get a little taste of that, but I won't be back. Yeah. I won't be doing that for another couple of weeks. Uh, in uh, the United Kingdom, Steve Ashton would know, is Shrove Tuesday is also known as Pancake Day. <laughs> so they just eat pancakes? They eat pancakes. That's all it's about? Well, it's the perfect menu item because it includes a lot of stuff that people abstain from in the UK during Lent. So it's got fats and eggs and sugar and all kinds of good stuff in it. So they eat their pancakes and then they don't have any of that delicious stuff mm. for the next 40 days during Lent. I'd rather have waffles. Of course you would. So happy Fat Tuesday, everybody. Eat up, party up, because tomorrow we get those ashes on our head, and then it's just just, just awful, just, just solemn do sadness. And well, that's just if you're not a heathen like Going me. without, yeah. Eddie, with, Godless what's heathen. Eddie going to go without? He practically eats nothing as it is. He'd have to give up uh, chicken tenders. I'd die. You would. I had to give up a food. You only eat three things. If you had to give them up, you would, you would wither away. Today is also Unique Name Day. Oh, no. Don't get me started. Don't get me fucking started on Unique Name Day. I'm going to give them one of these right now. (laughs) Unique Name Day. You haven't even explained it yet. (sighs) I don't have to. This is the day that celebrates people giving their children unique names. Such names as Moon, Apple, North are just a few of the celebrity names that are easily recalled as we celebrate parents giving their children interesting names. Unique Names Day has been on the scene since 1997. Now it's a yearly occurrence. Listen to me. Listen, you goddamn it, listen to me. This phenomenon of parents feeling obligated to give their child a special name because that somehow automatically makes them special is built on a lie. It is a con. That is, they're unrelated. 
Giving your child a fucked up name does not automatically make them interesting or special or or make them stand out in any way. Ralph and Ed, how simple is that? Most people (laughs) who have accomplished anything in the world have fucking boring names. And that's just because names have no connection to the accomplishments you achieve in your life. No. Who's me, I'm going to say this once very carefully to everyone. <laughs> Do not confuse your child being special to you with your child being special, period. Those two things are unrelated. Your child is not special. You know why? Because they haven't fucking done anything yet. They All they do is shit and eat and cry and sleep at this point. They are the same as every other infant has ever been throughout the annals of history. Now, what they accomplish with their lives will separate them from the pack if they do remarkable things, and that's to be wished for and encouraged. But what you name them is going to do nothing to help them along that path. I'm so fucking tired. You're as red as your chair. It's, it's infuriating to me that these parents, and it's, it's so much of it is... I'm going to be special because I'm going to name my kids special. Yeah. And that'll be some sort of reflected coolness on me. If I give my kid the name Formica, there won't be any other Formicas <laughs> in the first grade. And so somehow that makes us really cool. Stop it. What was Don't the one, be insane. What was the one we did a few weeks ago? It's ABCDEF or the, yeah, oh, the airplane, air, oh, airline uh, ticket? Absidy. 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 Uh, yeah. That <laughs> fucking lunatic named her kid Absidy. And I always, whenever I get into this topic, I flash back on the Oprah Winfrey show from the late 1990s, where she interviewed the mother who had given her child a name made up of a thousand letters. And the woman did it primarily to be in the Guinness World Book of Records, to have her kid in the Book of Records, and also because she wanted her child to stand out. So she gave her a name that was made up of a thousand letters. Here, I pulled, I found it, and oh. I pulled the clip. Here's the woman and her t- poor, at the time, 12-year-old girl. Listen to her when she's asked what her name is. I had to make sure that her name was going to be unique. I didn't want her name to be like anybody else's name. Make sure what, is her name? what is her name? What is her name? It's Shandy, Antonisha, Vishen, Keishan, Simon, Drew, Shalinda, Shukarni, Ronquil, Ninja, Shemika, Shanet, Tamika, Shawahini, Vyanshia, Kani, Satsan, Janisha, Marinay, Kunsanik, Kanisha, Devon, Yvonne, Latani, Sivante, Pranki, Salaviva, Zanfisa, Justin, Sajave, Loya, Evet, Sparkmi, Sandra, Kate, Kate, Yvishon, Oli, Vekisha, Wamali, Sunethi, Shazmek, Monay, Loisa, my middle name is Kunyan Skatia. Your middle name? Please. Okay, go on. You're done? My middle name is Kunyan Scottsdale, and my last name is Williams. Wow. It's child abuse. Wow. It's child abuse. They had, to teach, they had to teach that kid her name phonetically by recording it and playing it for her over and over again as wow. a child so she could memorize it phonetically. That's horrible. It's a nightmare. And, and it's part of this goddamn problem where people think unique names. And don't get me started. Even a, if I spell my kid's name and her name is... Susan, but I spell it Z Z U U K H R T apostrophe L, <laughs> but it's pronounced Susan. I'm I'm gonna fucking come down on some people. I'm gonna lose my shit. So unique name day can go right to hell is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't dare challenge you. I know you daren't. This is one one thing I am immovable. 
Uh, you know what I need right now? Some absinthe, because today is National Absinthe Day. Oh, absinthe. That's the, the one that you hallucinate, right? The Green Fairy. Yeah, yeah, you hallucinate on that yeah, one. Yeah, right? that's the rumor. That's That has been a long-standing wives' tale about absinthe, but scientists have since looked into it, and there's, just, there's just nothing there, no. It does have a higher alcohol content than most liquors, however, that's and not. so that's probably why people think they're hallucinating. Uh, they're just shit-faced. I thought they had like a stronger one in Europe, and then the one they brought to the United States isn't as strong no, as the one in Europe. The history of absinthe, a lot of people would mistake it for liqueur because it's green, you yeah. know, but it's not sweetened at all. It's a straight up uh, booze like vodka or gin or whiskey. It's made from wormwood, fennel, anise, and other herbs, and that's infused in the alcohol during the installation. That gives it a distinctive flavor and coloring. And it was developed by a French doctor, Pierre Ordinaire who developed it in the early 19th century as a cure for many illnesses. I bet you didn't cure anything, but you didn't give a shit after you had some of that. It was a very popular drink with artists in France and writers because it was rumored to have hallucinogenic effects, but it turns out... uh, Butt-wasted. Just got butt-wasted, yeah. It was outlawed. The reason it was outlawed is because it started to get this reputation for causing madness and seizures and, more importantly, low morality... Amongst society. <laughs> Low morality. Yes. And so they banned it because in 1905, a French laborer who had spent the day drinking absinthe murdered his children and his wife. Wow. And they said, this stuff is bad news. And so they banned the booze, even though I'm pretty sure that guy I'm was. Sure. He was just an angry drunk. He was just a bad drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, scientists have proven there's nothing hallucinogenic about it. It's just uh, just a good way to get loaded. Yeah. So. Absinthe. Drink up. I'm all in favor. And lastly, you know, I leave the food-related holidays for the end because we don't know whether Eddie Pence will eat something or not. I get the sense. Yeah. If there is such a thing as a sure thing, I get this the sense it. this would be it. If, you, if you're behind in the count, <laughs> if you're trying to make some money back on your wagering, I can safely say, in oh. fact, I will reimburse you if you lose any money on this particular <laughs> round. Oh, my God. This must be just absolutely plain simple. It, it is very plain. It's very simple. It's a snacky kind of food, and I just see Eddie Pence eating it. Now, <laughs> after this buildup, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be dipped in shit by the time this is all over. <laughs> But I'm telling you, this is a safe bet. Eddie Pence will eat this. Of course, we will pull the handle on the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine just to make sure whether he will eat it or not. But today is National Cheese Doodle Day. Cheese Doodle. March 5th is the annual celebration for that delicious cheddar cheese-coated, puffy, fried, or baked snack food, the Cheese Doodle. Originally, it came to us in the 1950s by a guy named Maury Yohai, he was the head of Old London Foods, and they were looking for a way to use their new extruder that they had. So they had a a cornmeal mix, and they extruded it out into these tubes that they cut into about three-inch lengths and covered it with that delicious orange cheddar cheese dust and packed it in a bag and called it cheese doodles. Now, keep in mind, the cheese doodle still came along a little bit after the Cheeto, which I think is the gold standard of... The cheese snack. The Cheeto is a little uh, crunchier, crispier, and And a a little more wrinkly. The cheese doodle are those those curved ones that are pretty fat and thick. Kind of the standard cheese, uh, the crunchy cheese snack. But any way you look at it, it's worth celebrating those delicious little nuggets of cheddar cheese. Who doesn't like the goddamn cheese doodle? Let's find out. We're going to pull the slot, pull the handle rather, on the Eddie Pence patented. 
jackpot slot machine to see whether Eddie Pence likes cheese doodles or not. There we go. We got one doodle, two doodles. You gotta be I don't like cheese doodles. Fucking kidding me. I don't like Cheetos or cheese doodles. Or cheese balls, the little ball one. Right, that's another in the same family. I don't like it. I don't like I don't like I don't like the dust and it gets everywhere and it doesn't get everywhere. It gets on your hands. That's not everywhere. I don't like it. it. Just wash your hands after you eat eat them. I don't eat them. You're shitting me. You did that just to fuck with no, me. No, I didn't. I don't eat them. I'd never eat them. You legitimately don't eat Cheetos? No, I don't like Cheetos. My son loves Colton loves them. You know why, Eddie? And he never Because everyone loves them. I know. I don't like them. I don't like Cheetos. I've never liked Cheetos. I find them gross. I can't even <laughs> comprehend you anymore. I don't. I just don't. I never eat them. I don't I like them. I thought... This was Ever. a no-brainer. I, I thought it was, too, until you said it. I'm like, oh, you're going to be pissed at me. How do you... You've never sat down in front of the TV with a bag of cheese doodles? No, no. I don't like them. I don't like cheese dust. Dusted cheese noodles. <laughs> I don't like it. I won't eat it. Nope. I got... I got nothing. I don't like cheese doodles. I feel like I was hitting the solar plexus. <laughs> I am baffled. By your oddness, it's just it's just crunchy and and cheesy. And there's two full, of the favorite, the best things in life are crunchy and, and well, cheesy. I'm not a big cheese fan to begin I with. I know, but you're not eating, you're not biting into a block of cheese. No, it's just a dusting of delicious dust. cheese, it's, and it's usually orange. <laughs> yes, uh, I don't like it. Son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> oh God like damn it! You can have my Cheetos. Between this and Unique Name Day, I really do need some absinthe. <laughs> That was good thing it's Fat Tuesday. I can <laughs> I can eat and drink everything before I go to church tomorrow and confess all my sins. That was today's holiday or holiday. Holiday. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't mean to shot. I hope you didn't lose any money on that one. Ugh. I don't like them. They're Fuck you, Eddie! They're messy. They're not... It's just... It, it goes back to, like, I don't like sand. <laughs> right? I don't, I'm not a big fan of the beach. I don't like, I don't like sand. Well, and don't it, eat sand, Yeah, but then. it reminds me, like, sand. Like, I, I, after you eat some, it's all over you, and you can't get it off, and you just... Or you could just wash your hands. That's another uh, option, I guess. But Or just don't even go there. Like, I don't go to... Uh, I don't like sand. I don't like Cheetos. Eddie, what have you done for me lately? It's the same thing. All right, let's take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Some uh, high-profile losses yesterday. Boy, it was a, a one-two punch. First of all, we mentioned that he had suffered a massive stroke and... Um, Sad, sad news. Luke Perry from 90210 and Riverdale has passed away at the age of 52. That's crazy. That's nuts. At that age, 52? Terrifying. Uh, Luke Perry, of course, best known for his role as Dylan McKay on the smash hit drama Beverly Hills 90210 on Fox in 1990. He became a teen heartthrob. And by all accounts, it was hard for him because he was kind of a serious actor and... You know, it's out of your control. You take any job that you can get when you're a struggling actor, and you don't expect sometimes the uh, byproducts of those shows. And he became on the cover of all the teen magazines and stuff, and something he apparently was not always very comfortable with. He never seemed comfortable with with that fame. 
But I'm glad to see that he worked a ton. And, of course, he was a star, as I mentioned, on CW's Riverdale at the time of his death. So he, he was um, able to get other roles. He wasn't really typecast. But still, shocking that That's at nuts. the age of 52, he could pass away from, from a massive stroke. stroke. It's crazy. I've got a friend of mine, uh, uh, Teddy, who worked on the, uh, the crew of that show for its entire run and said just a, a sweet, sweet man. Could not have been a nicer guy. So hard, hard to hear that news. And another performer... Passed away way too young. Keith Flint, the lead singer for Prodigy. He was, of course, the front man for that massive band that shot to international fame in the 90s with hits like Firestarter and Breathe and Smack My Bitch Up. Um, <laughs> why is that funny? Well, because you read something so somber, then you say Smack My Bitch Up. That was one of their hit songs. I know, but it just, In fact, uh, a lot of their songs and music videos were banned by the BBC in their native England because it was so extreme. Yeah. But their music, which was sort of a blend of dance and electronic and punk, was extremely popular here in the States and also in Hollywood. They were using a ton of uh, soundtracks, especially, believe it or not, Smack My Bitch Up. Anyway, he passed away at the age of 49. His bandmates say that he took his own life. Oh, man. So, just so, so tragic. So I thought we'd say goodbye to him with a little taste of Prodigy. Here is Firestarter. Keith Flint himself said about the band, we were always exciting and dangerous, and I think that's what that energy of that band captured for so many of their fans. Yeah. I often thought if Cocaine had a soundtrack, it would be performed by Prodigy. That's what it always reminded me of. When I heard their music, I felt like, ooh, I shouldn't have done that last bump. I just am a little too wired right now. And we talked earlier about Oprah Winfrey. She is also in the news this week because last night she was on HBO after the uh, part two airing of Leaving Neverland, that Mm. documentary about Michael Jackson. She sat down with Jackson's accusers, Wade Robson and James Safechuck, to talk about the allegations against Michael Jackson. And just by agreeing to do the interview, now she she did it in a very sort of uh, even-handed way and did not say one way or the other whether she believed the accusations. But simply by doing agreeing to do the interview, she has incurred the wrath of Michael Jackson fans around the world. Oh, yeah. And the hatred that is poured out on the internet oh. for Oprah Winfrey is insane. I wanted to read some of the tweets that are coming her way. I really pray that karma comes back on Oprah full force and ten times over. I pray that her whole empire comes crashing down. I pray she suffers, said one Michael Jackson fan. Oprah Winfrey, you're disgusting. A cheap mercenary. Karma will punish you. Michael Jackson, we will fight for you. Another one. Oprah is a fucking pig. Fuck Oprah. Wow. Oprah is a fucking jackass for this leaving Neverland bullshit. May she reap the karma of attacking a dead man. All of the... uh, tweets have been hashtag MJ is innocent. She didn't attack anybody. No, she simply gave these guys a forum to talk, tell their side of the story. Now, some people are saying Michael Jackson is no longer alive to tell his side of the story, which is fair enough, but his family certainly is putting up a uh, a pretty vocal defense. 
And of course, that might be suspect because they have a financial interest yes. in keeping his name clean and keeping his uh, art selling. And his fans are some of the most rabid fans in but the history the of show business. I don't, I don't complain about the guys wanting to tell their story or the Jackson family defending him. But these fans who, because I like the guy's music, yeah. no one can ever say anything against them. Or else they must. No, they're, they're well, their empires must crash to the ground and they must die. A lot of them wrapped up their identities in Michael Jackson. It's it's disturbing. It's very me. disturbing. But if you're an American, you have to say they have the right to talk about what they claim right. is their truth, and you have to be able to have that discourse. And, and in a free and open society, they should be allowed to go and talk to Oprah if they want to. You shouldn't want to no. shut people down. And that's the way it gets proven or disproven by talking about it. Right, both sides. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. Actor J.B. Sicking from Hill Street Blues. And, of course, he played Doogie Howser's dad on that series for many seasons. He's 85 years old today. His co-star from Hill Street Blues, Michael Warren, is 73 years old today. Actor Dean Stockwell from JAG and Quantum Leap. He is 83 years old today. I didn't know Dean Stockwell was still alive. I didn't either. I loved that Quantum Leap show. I thought that was great. Singer Rome is 49 years old today. He, of course, best known for taking over as the lead singer of Sublime. You open doors and close them but quicker than the ants most Can't you see there is hope here It's time for reaction Football player turned actor Fred Williamson is 81 years old today. Keyboardist Alan Clark of the band Dire Straits is 67 years old today. Dire Straits, mostly known as a guitar band because Mark Knopfler is such a great guitarist. But Alan got his shot too, especially in this song. Magician Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller is 64 years old. Actor Paul Blackthorne from TV's Arrow in 24. He is 50. Musicians Charlie and Craig Reed of The Proclaimers are 57 years old today. Talk about your one-hit wonders. Kevin Connolly of Entourage is 45 years old today. And let's never forget, he was also the director of Gotti, the John Travolta movie. <laughs> oh, that's right, movie. he was. I will never let him forget that. That's important oh, to man. put. Every time you mention his name, that should be attached to it. <laughs> Eva Mendez is 45 years old today. Actress Jolene Blaylock from Enterprise is 44. Guitarist John Frusciante is 49 years old today. Probably best known with his time spent with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Model Nikki Taylor is 44 years old. Actor Jake Lloyd from the Star Wars oh. films is 30 years old. How's he doing now? I don't know. Can't be good. Oh. That poor kid got beat up pretty good on That's social terrible, media. Man. Yeah, though he wasn't good. He wasn't good, but he, he just auditioned and got cast. He That's was all he did. That, that, I felt bad for kid. that. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of the end, I think. Oh. People started just teeing off on yeah, that poor bastard. Really was. He's 30 years old. And singer Eddie Grant. Is 71 years old today. Oh, no, we're 
Lake Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Well, here it is. The moment you've all been waiting for. The debut of our brand new segment. So many people were turned on by the fact that we did our top three TV theme song list. And we had so many people who wanted to share theirs. We've got a brand new weekly segment on Tuesdays where you too can tell us what your favorite theme songs were. The segment is called TV Tune Tuesday. TV Tuesday. How about that? Nice. Yeah. How long did you spend on that There's one? some production value. It only took me about a day and a half. I'm not good <laughs> with technology. So in fact, I'm going to play it again because I'm so proud of all the time and effort that went into this intro. TV it's like if a serial killer made a jingle. Why do you say that? It's just chopped up from different movies that's, to find the right words. That's how it's done. That's what makes it fun. I know, and I said it's like a serial killer. Oh, right. Well, that's fun. Leaving a note. Today's TV Tune Tuesday is dedicated to Danny in Chicago who sent this one in. I said at the top of the show, and I stand by it, maybe one of the most famous TV theme songs of all time. I would arguably say... And you can take me on if you can think of something else. It is the most famous animated TV series theme song ever. It goes back to 1967. At the time, superheroes were everywhere. Batman was on live action television. And Marvel Comics had a run of animated series based on many of their popular heroes. They had uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Fantastic Four... The only character that didn't have his own TV series was their most popular, and they corrected that problem in 1967. And when ABC Television Network agreed to air, Spider-Man was the first time Spider-Man had ever appeared on television. And the theme song from the 1967 cartoon show had to be something that would grab people's attention. They knew that. So they went to an Oscar-winning composer by the name of Paul Francis Webster. He wrote a song called Love is a Many Splendid Thing. And he won an Oscar for that in 1955. He and Robert Harris got together and they cranked out this sucker. And here it is, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man Does whatever a spider can Spins a web any size Catches feet just like flies Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, by the street of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, welcome, fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward. To him, life is a great big bang-up. Wherever there's a hang-up, you'll find a Spider-Man. Come on. You don't think Looney Tunes is more popular than that? No. The Looney Tunes jingle? No. For animated? No. Really? No. Flintstones? No. All right. No. I'm doing Jiminy Glick now. No. <laughs> no. No, because here's why. Not only has the song been covered by such varied artists as the Ramones, Aerosmith, 
and Michael Bublé all had hits with versions of that song. <laughs> Homer Simpson had when he was walking his pet pig on the on the ceiling. He was singing it. Yeah. People know it is so identified also with that character so much so that they had to bring the theme back into the films. and work it into the new theme music for the most recent Spider-Man yeah. film because people you, no matter how many versions of Spider-Man are out there you never shake that theme song from being associated with that character. It is something that even kids know who never watched the cartoon, who doesn't, who don't even know it came from a cartoon. Yeah. It has taken on a life of its own over 50 years after it was first broadcast. I think it's the most popular animated TV theme song ever. I mean, there's a lot of kids who know Spider-Man. No, my kid knows the Spider-Man theme, and he's never seen the animated series. Does he know the Flintstones theme? No. That's what I'm saying. I mean, He knows the Looney Tunes theme. Well, you've shown him the Looney Tunes, yeah. the, those, those shorts, but most kids, I don't even know if those are in syndication anymore. Yeah. And yet this song, for whatever reason, has taken on a life of its own and continues to be known generation after generation. Yeah. I'm hard depressed to think of another animated series that had a theme song that had that kind of longevity. Yeah, was a, I was trying to run through my head, and all the ones I could think of were Looney Tunes. Over 50 years' yeah. worth of people humming and singing that song. Yeah. It's crazy. That song was recorded at RCA Studios in Toronto, Canada, which was where the cartoon was produced, by the way. I don't know mm. if you knew that or not. And it was featuring 12 Canadian vocalists who sang on that track. And you'll be happy to know they were only paid for the session to record that song. Oh, oh, and they've oh, never oh. received any residuals from its use from 1967 till now. They never wow. made another dollar off of that. Wow. That's a bad contract right there. Him and Ed Bagley. Can you imagine if you had been a singer on that and you get a little something-something for your Just effort something. for the rest of your life? A couple bucks couple here and bucks. there? Would have made all there. the difference. Oh, my God. So there you go. Oh, there's where the crime was committed. Yeah. That's where Spider-Man should be stepping That's in. Where he should be. I love me that theme song. That was almost one of my top three when we did our, our list. Mm -hmm. So, Danny in Chicago, thanks so much for contributing and suggesting the Spider-Man theme on this our very first TV Tune Tuesday. TV <laughs> and now it's time for my wife Carrie to step in so we can take a look at last night's episode of The Bachelor. It's a brand new Bachelor report. It's like they're on the show to get roses instead of finding true love. Everyone knows you find love on shows. The one you Door on the bachelor, and now here's more the bachelor report. Well, honey, last night's bachelor may be the most dramatic bachelor ever. It was one of the most dramatic bachelors ever no actually it was the most dramatic bachelor pretty tense there was a bachelorette episode where uh there was a there were three proposals and that was nuts in one right. night but this was really really intense yeah let's get into it at the top of it we've got the three girls left we've got Tasha, we've got hannah g and we've got my beloved cassie mm -hmm. and they are the remaining girls for colton to uh, choose from he's met all of their families and now it's time for those fantasy sweet dates. Right in, in drum roll, please. In romantic Algarve, Portugal. That's where. <laughs> Nobody could say that correctly. Town by of the way. romance. Yes. Algarve. And apparently low rent hotels as well. Wow, they put up Colton in what looks like 
a what's the one that keep the light on for you the <laughs> motel <laughs> the six hampton inn motel six motel eight i don't know what what number motel it, it looked was. a little rough around the edges i'm just saying they have two floors of rooms at this hotel Ooh, that's how exciting I it mean, was because that's i mean i that's what i look for when i go to western europe <laughs> is to right. make sure that the hotel has two floors so uh colton pulls chris harrison aside at the beginning of this and has to talk to him about the fantasy suites because i don't know if you know this or not but colton is a virgin how could we not know who on earth doesn't know that that's why i thought it was so funny if you listen to this uh colton tells chris uh, it's no secret that, that i'm a virgin but i'm interested from your perspective what do you want to have happen in the fantasy suite what do you what are your expectations there's no secret with my virginity it's something that i don't have mapped out i don't plan or have a picture perfect time where i'm gonna lose it i think the moment you start planning things out that's you're doing yourself a disservice because you think it's going to go one way and it could it could change yeah it's no secret he's a virgin they've only been using it as an advertising campaign for this show all season long right Ugh. And if he feels things are right, he could lose the big V here in Portugal. Could happen. Very exciting. Portugal will never be the same. The first date up is uh, Taisha, and they go out on one of these sightseeing tours and look around beautiful Portugal there, and they're sitting on a cliff, and they're looking out over the ocean, and it looks like Colton's complaining. He's sitting cross-legged. He's a little uncomfortable, and she asks him what's up. Jeans too tight? No, my legs are too tight. <laughs> I'm not very flexible. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. It's probably because I'm a virgin. Oh. oh. <laughs> There's ways to loosen that up, you know. Now they're just squeezing it in at every opportunity. <laughs> Things that have nothing to do with sex at all. It's like, yeah, look at that. That boat's there on the horizon, probably because I'm a virgin. Right. Uh, by the way, honey, if we go to that spot in Portugal, the same thing would happen to you. Well, yeah, I can't sit cross-legged. In fact, I don't even know if you can sit on a floor period anymore, can you? Uh, my knees aren't happy about it. I could yeah. do it, but then I'll love it. But then I'd have to leave you there. You wouldn't be able to get up. <laughs> You'd have to hire a team of locals to cart me up. Bunch of virgins. So they get into the fantasy suite, and I shit you not, they have Colton talking about his virginity yet again while trying to open a bottle of champagne. The voiceover is him talking about virginity and him trying to open a bottle of champagne. Keep that in mind. Right. As his cork prematurely comes out of the bottle. I've thought about the first time several times and how it would go and how it would be. As men, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform well. Yeah. Damn! I feel like it's one of those things, like you just have to have confidence that you're doing the right thing. I mean, how hard can it be? Yeah, you could pop your cork too soon, and then the whole evening is ruined. Right. I thought that was... I was like, really, guys? Really, Bachelor producers? Are we, always... that, are we that much on the nose now at this point? Uh, they've been like that for the a while. The foam from the champagne was flying everywhere while they were talking about it. I thought maybe it was just a little too precious. So they uh, they do the famous door close with the do not disturb sign on the outside. Right. And the lights go down. And then we meet our couple the next morning over figs and dates and coffee. And they both look like they got a big smile on their face. So the question is... Did Colton finally lose his virginity in Portugal with Tasha? And of course, the answer is no. Here she is. I want to be supportive and not influence him in any way. So 
looked the physical intimacy that I wanted, but I got to see him for who he truly is. Yeah, a wuss. Well, he's just not that into her. He isn't. No, that's obvious because the very next date is Cassie and he tells pretty much the camera tonight could be the night. Right. He is lighting candles in his suite. He is getting prepared. I think he is ready. He was ready for Cassie. Now, the opposite side of that is Cassie's feelings for Colton. Turns out the hometown date didn't go so well. Dad didn't give Colton the permission to propose because he knew something was up. Something was hinky. With his daughter. She yes. didn't seem 100%. So much so that he flew all the way to Portugal to confront his daughter and ask her if she was really into this guy or not. And that is fatherly love right there. He sits her down in her room and asks her the important question. I mean, you know, it's not the world of Colton. He seemed like a nice guy and doesn't have any red flags, but you seem conflicted. So do you, you love him or because he told me, he said, I'm falling in love with her. But how are you feeling on that? I, I think I do. <laughs> the beginning of all great romances. Uh, yeah, I think, I, think I, do. I do. I think after that conversation with her dad, she recognizes that she's just not that into Colton. Right. Would he propose at the end of the show? I think she recognizes that she wouldn't right. be able to accept that I think that she proposal. likes him. I do, and, too. And she's having a great time on the show, and she wishes she could get there, but I, I think she knows she can't. She recognizes that fact. I think after talking to my dad, I definitely have more clarity. I know what I have to do. I have to send myself home tonight. I have to send myself home tonight. Mm-hmm. She said as she put on this glittering silver dress that made her look just amazing in it and did her makeup mm-hmm. and went out on the date to the fantasy suite with Colton after saying, I should send myself home tonight. That's not how you send yourself home. No, she should have rolled up in her sweats. Right. Knocked on the door and said, I got to beat feet. This right. ain't working out This isn't for me. working out. But you don't show up and let the guy believe. Absolutely tortures him. She really does. Because he thinks this is going to be the night that Ugh, changes his life. It was painful to watch. He said as much when she was on her way that Cassie of the three remaining girls is the one. Cass is the one. Outside of all of this, I can definitely see us working forever. So she shows up and she has a glass of champagne and she's laughing and talking about this amazing date they had. It was borderline cruelty. Telling him it was perfect. How she was leading this guy on. Right. But then these famous words were spoken. And let me tell you, boys and girls, if you're ever in a relationship and you hear someone say this to you, what they're saying is, I'm out of here. And I love you so much. Thanks so much. But I couldn't after today. I don't like I'm not I'm not like in love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we all know what you mean, except for Colton. It means I'm having fun, but I'm not really well, feeling his it. His body knew what that meant. Yeah. Because he, he started to shake. He he was I literally think he was having a panic attack. It was starting. He his whole body it was more than a shake. It was almost like he was shuddering and his teeth were chattering and he could not stop. Yeah, he looked like a dog who had eaten a peach and was now shitting out the pit. 
That's how nervous he looked. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's the realization that he has poured months into this entire season. And the girl that he fell in love with is now walking out the door. And he is just. And he told her as much. He said, of everybody left, you're the one. You're the only one I want to be with. Which I think had to fuck the producers. What? How do where do they go from here? Especially since their boy bolts. Right. So I, I I'm guessing he's going to send the other two home, and then one of two things happens: either he walks away with nothing, or Cassie realizes she had made a mistake, and maybe she comes back. Maybe. But uh, what we saw at the end of the episode was Colton abandoning the whole process. Really, mm-hmm. he storms out of his room. He very aggressively throws a, a lighter across the patio. Man, he was steamed. Yeah. He gave that lighter a, just a thrashing. And he, <laughs> and he decides to take off. And so naturally, they call Chris Harrison. And the whole thing reminded me of those stories you hear about Scientology when someone tries to leave the compound. Right. They sort of release the guards and they started circling the SUVs and they, they corner Colton. The walkie-talkies come out. <laughs> and he goes over the wall. Like a, like a cat. But I mean, it was probably almost a 10 foot wall. He grabs the top of it and just flies over like right. an Olympic athlete. Disappears into the darkness of Portugal. He's wandering around the middle of nowhere in Portugal. Where does this guy think he's going, by the way? Well, he maybe he wasn't thinking straight. Doesn't probably think about that. Yeah. Anyway, the, I got to tell you, Chris Harrison was impressed. He just jumped the fucking fence. That was impressive. So who knows where we go from here. Cliffhanger. Tomorrow night's episode is not a continuation. We're going to wait until next week for that. But tomorrow's tomorrow night's show is The Women Tell All, which may be my favorite episode of the it season. It is absolutely your favorite. You get so excited for it. Because these women have had a chance to sit and seethe with all these resentments and it builds up over an entire season and then they just unleash right. on each other. And it's going to be weave pulling and scratching and yelling. It's oh, it's so much it's fun. It's going to be great. I might even get you caviar for it. <laughs> oh, it's a party. You can have vodka and caviar. Ugh. That's my perfect While you're watching evening. It. My- Mind you, everybody, I, I don't tell Ralph this, but his caviar is from the you know shelf at the grocery store. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Portugal for a minute. $7, $7, $7 yeah. for a jar, but I put it on a little Bellini and you're none the wiser. Don't waste good caviar on me, lady. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to tell you how the women told all on tomorrow's special edition of The Bachelor Report. Bye. The Bachelor Meanwhile, come on back tomorrow. What happens on Wednesdays? I'm trying to think. One hit wonder? You're goddamn right! It is one hit wonder Wednesday. We have a little something almost every day of the week now. It's night. We just got to fill Monday. We're becoming a real goddamn show, and I couldn't be more excited. So join us tomorrow. I love you. I mean it. Bye.